back in the day, I used them and I wired up a 4.1 system in my oh. home computer so I could play Morrowind and when you walked by things, the sound went by you. Uh. Pretty sick. <laughs> And welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and things we would have done differently. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. Uh, And first, we're going to bring back, by popular demand, the news segment. I think it's called the News Hour. The News Hour. Damn it. (laughs) Yes, the News Hour. Things that you would have done differently. And welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and things we would have done differently. My name is Bob. And my name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. But first, we're going to bring back, by popular demand, the News Hour. Cool. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah. So, Was uh, that my popular demand that decided yes, to bring you, it back? You were, you I were, do love the News Hour. So do I. We should bring back yeah. the News Hour. Uh, we have one story this week, and it's that... Activision seems to be having some regrets about a decision that they made several years ago when they partnered with Bungie because in this past week they announced that Bungie and Activision are actually splitting up and Bungie is keeping the Destiny IP uh, which is a pretty big move given that when Bungie partnered up with Activision after having been partnered with Microsoft it seemed like a really bold move and it was the sort of thing that I thought would last a long time. Bungie flew solo for a little while. But they didn't publish anything. But they didn't publish anything. And apparently, like, from what I have heard, it was complete chaos. Yeah, it seems as though just the development of Destiny was a real train wreck. Whether or not Activision aided them in fixing that is unclear. Yeah. Do you know who Bungie's publishers were on some of its pre-Microsoft when they were making things for the Mac? Yeah. Was it like Oni and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oni was published on console by Rockstar. Oh, okay. Uh, but Rockstar did not handle publishing on the PC or the Mac. Interesting. Oni, so they've, they've, underrated game on PC. They've worked with other publishers before. They just haven't... They've just been owned only by by Microsoft and exactly. Activision. So, I mean, they and could they potentially... they owned by Activision. It was some sort of like long-term publishing arrangement. But the implication oh, okay. was also... it. I guess that the strange thing about this to me is that Bungie is retaining the Destiny IP, which I could have done more reading and probably should have. That might have been a condition of their initial agreement with Activision. Mm. But certainly the fact that Activision is letting this go says to me pretty bad things about the state of Destiny as an an intellectual property that could be cashed in on with a Destiny 3. The great Destiny experiment has sort of failed, which is in many ways to say the the aspects of the great um, software as a service experiment in video games have failed because De- destiny was the flagship 
game in that in that sort of genre you could even call it well and you think about how at the beginning of this generation it felt like a lot of things were coming in that were going to be supported long term like your original hitman right Mm -hmm. uh with your episodic sort of you get a new map every other month or something like that and this game just sort of exists and is continually filled in that isn't how they did hitman 2 Um, no yeah they dropped it all which is also pretty telling um but that all goes counter to what i was saying last week about microsoft and game pass so Mm. i'm going to actually say that none of that indicates that this is a failure and that the real problem was the distribution model uh and if you have something like a game pass where everybody's subscribed all the time all of this stuff will work don't you think that maybe the quality of the games might also have been an issue i mean i there's were a lot of complaints about destiny 2 you played it a little bit yeah i I did not like destiny 2 very much but it probably wasn't to your taste in general uh i know that there were a lot of people who were complaining about it people who liked destiny one which you probably would have felt equally probably ambivalent about yeah insofar as you like the gunplay the gunplay is very good but i didn't feel feel a great sense of progression which i think is part and parcel to the structure of it yeah um but i also think that i ended up leaving that experience feeling like wow part of that was fun but it definitely wasn't 60 dollars worth of fun for me but if destiny had been included as part of some sort of subscription service and they were constantly like every six months it's like boom there's notification on my dashboard and it says there's more destiny and i was just subscribed to stuff i could dip in and out of everything whenever i wanted i probably would consider returning to destiny and so i think the problem with all of these games is that they were being built for a business model that really didn't exist yet. Yeah. And I think that that that's one of those classic ahead of its time sort of things, whether or not it makes games better or worse. Um, we're entering into an era where that type of experience can take hold. And I think that that's what you're seeing with Fortnite. Like Fortnite is the dream, right? They're keeping people on the hook. It's a constant sort of flow. It's on every single platform that you could ever want it on there's never any moment when you couldn't be playing Fortnite, and if you play it for more than two weeks there's never a moment when there's not something new to see yeah so i think it's a weird thing um and what it really makes me curious about is what bungie does next do you think that they'll continue to use battle.net for for because De- destiny is on battle.net isn't it i believe it is yeah distributed there. i know we can check one of our previous podcasts the news yeah. hour there but i believe that it is yeah that, it, that you play via battle.net which is blizzard's proprietary another activision company i would imagine that the existing destinies will continue to live there mm. but you know going forward who knows destiny 3 might be something else certainly Entirely. like the crazy twist on all of this would be microsoft does a big show it makes game pass part of xbox live right like commits to game pass as like the the microsoft xbox is a subscription service this is the new xbox the new xbox is this like tiny little client thing that just sucks things down from the cloud and plays them yeah game pass is the way of the future and guess who's home Bungie returns to the Xbox Dude. and Destiny 3 is an Xbox exclusive. To me, that's like the crazy end game. Yeah. I wonder how much, like, what the relationship with Microsoft was at the end of Bungie's time there and whether, like, 
whether they would go back to Microsoft or who they would go to necessarily, because they're going to have to find a publisher. I don't think that they'd handle all the publishing duties on their own. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of manpower. I want to say that back when all of the stuff with Microsoft and Bungie went down, that Microsoft had first right of refusal mm. on Bungie's next game and passed on Destiny. But I do think that the market was in a very different place at the time. And I think that Destiny fits very well into what Microsoft wants to do now. Well, time will tell and we will see whether people will regret things that they did. Good point. Um, So, is there anything that we've regretted lately? (laughs) I mean, I regret Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah. You're not feeling it? Man, I don't like that game. It's too bad. Yeah, I don't know. I can't tell if it's good or bad. It just feels like big and empty and meaningless to me. That is pretty damning. Yeah, it feels less like Greek philosophy and more like mid-20th century German philosophy or something. Whoa. I don't know. That's yeah, dark. I, you meet Socrates, you meet oh, Herodotus. Yeah, you meet all of these like crazy classic characters. That's capital C classic. And like, it just like doesn't... But like something about it... So like... Assassin's Creed has clearly taken the mantle from uh, from Mass Effect, yeah, and become like an RPG. It is thoroughly an RPG. It's about you make choices, and the choices affect the world around you. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of dialogue, and they are clearly hiring. Like the writing is like line by line, pretty pretty decent but it just like none of it gels none of it feels of consequence there's a moment relatively early in the game when you like spoiler alert you murder your own father or you can or you can let him go you murder him or you can let him go and like it just has no weight or consequence to it Mm -hmm. it just doesn't i don't know maybe my anhedonia is continuing (laughs) to some degree but like just a bunch of decisions but like the fact that they are decisions does not inherently make them worthwhile exactly and um add to that the fact that the world although absurdly detailed and i know that they with this and assassin's creed origins have are releasing these uh, educational versions are they doing that for this one i believe that they already have Hmm. um or if they're if not then i think that they will release one because the the level of detail is just absurd but it still feels empty everything feels um like it lacks weight it feels as though like you're looking at a cast model of of Athens rather than like a real living breathing place so I don't know that I kind of regret that game like I have so many other games recently and I I know that I said that I was going to commit to it but I don't want to commit to it so I'm gonna renege on that I like it yeah we all get one regret in the new year uh and I have one as well what's that so last episode we awarded games of the year and i said that the nature parts of red dead were my game of the year and i still love those but uh immediately after that episode i went home downloaded into the breach and into the breach is my game of the year is your your 2018 game of the year into the breach that's a game about making mistakes and then yes and fixing those mistakes fixing those mistakes in the future that game is one of the best games i've ever played i am blown away by it and i did not like faster than light all that much yeah Uh, i think this game is every part of it is fantastic my only complaint is that the music is like a parody of music i would expect from that type of game where it's like dun 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 (laughs) and you just like you know exactly what it's going to be and that gets a little thin for me yeah but in terms of 
on a mechanics level, uh, it is far and away the best thing I've played in a long time. Every decision is so weighty. Um, I'm, I'm just shocked by it. And it feels so dynamic. Like It feels as though every situation is a situation where you can make it bad for yourself and then you can find a way back Like every time. Because um, you can turn back one turn once per match. I think that's the least important part of the game. Like, okay. I think that's the least meaningful part of the game. It certainly is a mechanic, right? You yeah. have one turn each round. And again, for those just tuning in, this is a strategy game. Uh, you have three big mechs and your job is to exist on a nine by nine grid. That grid has like water features and mountains and all of this sort of topography. Like a theme park. And then has uh, some buildings. And the whole point of the game is to protect the buildings, right? Um, does not matter. All of your mechs die. Uh, well, then you'd lose. But yeah. all but one of your mechs dies. You can go to the next mission as long as you your life bar is governed by these buildings. Yeah. Um, and you're defending them from these big bugs. This game, man, the first like level you boot it up, you get to pick where your mechs drop your mechs drop down. And I just had this moment of like, oh, yeah, mechs are awesome. Like, it's so cool, man. Big robots. All right. You press pause, went back to your Titanfall fan fiction. Yes. And, and I was like, let's get back into it. How do these robots make love? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's clunky. <laughs> uh, you got to oil that up. So, uh, just thematically, I love it. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is the way that the game mutates when you get the new teams of mechs. And that's the whole game. I have not played with any of the new teams. That's why you haven't liked this game. I'm going to tell you right now. All right. Oh, my God. It's oh. amazing. They play totally differently. I mean, I believe the it. The degree to which they are different. Like, Do they play more fun? They're all fun. They're all fun in their own way because they the the way that they recast everything about the way you approach a combat encounter mm. is incredible. And the first I think that the first group, by virtue of needing to be basically a tutorial, is like woefully underpowered and their abilities only sync up in like the most basic of ways right yeah the most plebeian is sort of expected you get the second ways. group let's just go with the second group like yeah. they're called like the rusting hulks or something they're all orange which is dope uh it's a jet plane it's a little spider robot and it's uh like a mobile mortar right okay and they all have abilities well like the little spider dude all he can do is push everybody in a four square quadrant around him out one space right that's all he can do uh, but the other two drop smoke and okay. then one of them has a passive ability that damages guys in smoke and also smoke makes it impossible for somebody to attack. Yeah. And so you start just like chaining out these things where you go like, okay, I can have this dude mortar that guy. And when he uses his mortar, he drops smoke behind him. And then I can use the push guy to push a dude into that smoke. And then I can jump over another dude with the jet, putting him in smoke and then on the next turn, everybody dies. And it becomes so much more complex. The groups after that are even wilder, where suddenly you're like, oh, this guy only can attack things if it hurts himself. It's like the layers of sort of 
intricacy compound. And then the better part about it is that outside of their team, those robots are not very good. Like they only are valuable as part of the unit. Whereas in the first group, I feel like those guys all kind of are fine without their team and there. That's but because they just shoot. Yeah. And they just shoot in different ways. And it's, I think very important that they start you there. Yeah. Cause the, once I bought that second group, which I, the uh, plane and all this smoke friends, um, <laughs> plane and smoke friends. <laughs> when I bought them, uh, at first you look at it and you're like, how the hell am I going to use this? Like yeah. these guys don't do damage really on the same way that those other guys do. Hmm. Uh, and then suddenly you realize like, oh, they do damage if I plan ahead for them to do damage. How many other mech groups are there total? There's like 12. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah, there's like 12 groups. And then the other thing is the pilots. So did you get any other pilots? Yeah, I've like garnered pilots gradually over the course of it. Well, so th- the real kicker is you don't want to be leveling up. Every time you go through, you have one human Yeah, and then AI pilots. You never want to time travel the AI I've had, pilots. No, I've had multiple non-ai i've had multiple humans they look like they look like people sometimes but they're like technically they're not ai they're like named but the group you want is always one of the people from the pilots list that you earn because they have stat bonuses yeah so you never want to be leveling the other dudes you just want to like get one of them level the fuck out of them and then go back in with them in a mech that's like valuable to their stat bonus okay like this game is incredible. What do you, okay, so my question for you, because I'll be honest, it's still not selling me. What, <laughs> I don't know why. The, like, Every I went decision back, is great. I know. It feels exactly like the sort of thing you would love. I don't have, I don't have like an argument back, except for the fact that like I felt as though there was no space for improvisation. I feel like it's all improvisation. I thought, I knew you would say that. And I, I really I, do, though. I, I believe you. I went back and like played some more of this and I dropped the difficulty down a level. And, and you played with the starting mechs? I played with the starting mechs. I've only played with the starting mechs. And because I thought, like, I want to beat it with the starting mechs before I open up one of this <laughs> other group. I, I don't know that it's... Somebody out there is doing it, right? Yeah. I... Like, if I go that back to the not, starting mechs now, not, yeah. it's hard. It's really hard. I um, I mean, I should try the other ones, but when I dropped it down a level, I was suddenly breezing through it, and I got to the last level, and I just got bored and turned it off. Yeah, I'm playing it on normal, and I am so consistently engaged by it with these other groups, and it's a lot of just like, this guy has to move first so that guy can move, but wait, then because of that, he dropped smoke there, and now this guy's going to end up in the smoke, and it's a lot of like, actually, the best way to handle this situation is to put all my points into health for everybody and block everybody before they spawn so i feel as though like what you're describing still sounds like xcom do you feel like this game is like xcom uh because i feel like it is not at all like xcom i like xcom in what sense i mean it's a tactics game and it is a tactics game like it's not a puzzle game the difference being well, like it depends on how we define these things. Yeah. But like the decisions that you make at the beginning when you choose where to drop your dudes, like we could play on the same map and choose to start all of our mechs in different spots. And from that point on, the things are divergent because the AI is not just like, I'm going to do this. The AI is adjusting to what you have done. Really? Oh, significantly. Oh, I thought that the AI, the, the AI I thought was set in place for no. all three, like, 
it, this when a level loads, the AI is set in place where where the guys are going to come out, not what they do. But where, where they, they come, come out, out is set in place, but the minute okay. that the game starts, they're going to either prioritize attacking your guys or doing other things, yeah. and they will get you into situations where it's just like I can't save that dude. Like yeah. they, they've you know bound him in and, two ways, and, and I've been there, and like you're like, do I do I lose my dude or do I lose this building? And you have to take into account like what the, the buildings can technically quote unquote dodge. In sometimes, this game. sometimes they the the enemy will miss. Yeah, well, it, which is based on a percentage, like a basically a dodge percentage that you can build. Oh, really? Yeah, you can build that. And so, like when I played, oh, I've experimented like, yeah, with you building. Can, you can earn you can that. Earn like more points towards like buildings potentially surviving yeah, an attack. Yeah. Um, and it raises the percentage. I mean, there's all kinds of, there's a lot of cool layers here. I just, I just, for whatever reason, I clearly need to go back and play it. I probably, what I really need is I probably need like some sort of a vacation to go on where I take my switch with me and I'm on a plane and I just have to spend an hour. Just, I just like, couldn't actually stop devoted playing to it. it. Like I just keep playing it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and give it another try. I still like want to find personally, like want to find a company, like a comparable game to this, to how to, or like a way of describing this to people in shorthand so that they know what they're getting. I mean, from my perspective, I get the same thing that I got from XCOM from it. And what it is, man, I don't at all. It's just a chain of decisions. And what I, the thing I always think about with XCOM, right, is yeah. when you make the move where you're like, okay, this guy's got a shotgun and that guy's there and I'm going to run up on that dude and I'm going to pop him. And you do it, right? And you're feeling good because you got that, you know, they came up, the shot percentage was like 75 and he just popped over and killed the dude and you're feeling hot and everything's good. And then the AI decides that rather than going after the objective, it's just going to target all of its dudes on that guy, right? That you overextended. And that moment when you go like, oh, I'm overextended. And then you just see the thing kind of like collapsing. Yeah. This game is exactly that. Like that is exactly how I feel when playing into the breach is a lot of situations where I feel like, okay, I'm well situated. And then all of a sudden the way that things kind of transpire is not what I expected. And I am very poorly situated. And then you're sitting there going, okay, how do I use what I have to get out of this? Because four moves ago, I decided that I would have this dude block a spawn four times. And now he has one health. Yeah. And so I can't use him. Right. And it's exactly XCOM in that respect. Yeah. No one has enough health. Every decision is bad. I agree with this. I agree with this aspect of it. I'm trying to figure out what it is that... Maybe it's that I don't enjoy the metagame. The metagame is very light. Yeah, it's a very light metagame. But within the actual... Once you've started playing like a series of missions, it's pretty intense because when you're spending the like stars that you earn for beating individual levels. Yeah. You know, you can choose to put all that money into cores and upgrade your mechs, or you could buy new weapons for the mechs, but you can't power the new weapons unless you buy cores. cores. And so you're, which is actually an extraordinarily faster than light. Yes. Thing. Oh, that's what the, the entire core well. thing is yeah, faster, it's very than faster than light. Yeah. And I like, kind of, and I enjoy that part. I, it's great because yeah. especially when you start moving the cores around and you get into those situations where, well, I've got this guy who's pretty leveled, right? Because they only level twice and mm-hmm. then they just have like bonus stats, but they can still have, they have room for like six more cores at that point. And so you go like, well, he is stronger, right? 
he is conferring bonuses to his mech. Yeah. So I'll take cores out of him and put the cores on the weaker dudes to level them because you need the whole squad to be leveled to get to the end. Yeah. And and I it's wonder, it's just great. I wonder if there's something about the individual map narratives that just don't work for me or stick for me. Oh, I, I think about them I don't know all why. the time and I love the map variations. I think that's something that XCOM could learn a lot from is like when you get on a map and every round certain squares become deadly or drop and the map becomes yeah. smaller. I mean, you, you got to play XCOM two has the verticality, mm. which is so good. Yeah. It, but it but like crashes all the time. So how's that? I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's somehow worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll give it another try. But you really you wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone, anyone I think who plays it games. Is, I think it is a terrific game. I think it is a, really special video game yeah. and i it like is the sort of thing where i was going in to my thinking about game of the year last year and i was like man i really am bummed out that there's nothing this year that i feel like is world class like any year i would put this game up against it and i feel like it could hold its own this game totally does it looks awesome it plays awesome there's always the nagging thought when you beat a level that's like there was probably something smarter there mm. And if there's not, it goes like you got a perfect and you feel awesome, right? Mm -hmm. But like in every other situation, you're like, how could I have done that better? And that's everything I could hope for from a game. See, I think that the difference is that in XCOM, I never think, how could I have done that better? I think I could have done that better. And it's XCOM never feels I don't, like taking I don't a see test. the difference. I guess what I'm saying is that XCOM never feels like taking a test. This game feels like taking a test. Why? XCOM feels like playing out a narrative, like Far Cry 2, where it's where I'm kind of like by the seat of my pants trying to make it through an experience. This game feels very much like there is always a right answer. And there's always a right answer to the exact situation that you're at. Yeah. But and it feels good to find that answer. I'm not saying that it doesn't feel good to find that answer. It's just not scratching some sort of a some sort of an itch. I think that the that, key is that it's like a test, except that it's a test where the next question is entirely based around how you answer the last one. Yeah, that's fair. And so like there's a right answer, but there's probably two different right answers. Yes. And the next question is harder or easier based on whether or not you did the right one. I just think that like the aspect of it that feels like taking a test as opposed to building a narrative in my mind and clearly in your mind, you feel like you were building a, a narrative on those individual mini and in it, it maps. looks like a narrative to me. I yeah. love so many of the details about the way they build that where it's like you drop in and like you hear the people in the buildings and yeah, someone's like, like, get, get my, my glasses. glasses. And yeah. I love that. Like, I love the idea that it's just yeah. like mechs are sick. It does, it does like it does small things like that and it does well but it still doesn't it doesn't feel i don't remember my individual matches i don't remember my individual maps oh i, I, I do and the you way see that them I, again there are certain there there are layouts that will recur i yeah for whatever reason i just I'm, I'm not saying i don't remember the literal maps i mean i just don't remember the the stories that play out when i am trying to mm. to capture the map it's too bad man it's a good i know game. I mean, it, it, that could just be luck, too. It could be that I just not, like, actually encountered anything. I think you need to use one of the other teams. Yeah, I think, I you'll think have that's a much clearly the case time. here. I think that we're probably, in many ways, talking about two different games. I think so. All right. Agreed. I'm glad we devoted 15 minutes to it. Yeah. So that's on Switch, right? You're playing it on Switch, I but it's also it on PC? On, I bought it on uh, Steam. Yeah. I played one round, and I got a refund and bought it on the Switch. 
<laughs> a good call. Uh, so yeah, I just can't recommend it enough. What a video game. Matt, do you have any regrets? <laughs> I already talked about oh, Assassin's yeah, Creed already- Odyssey. <laughs> that is my primary regret. Um, so one thing that maybe I should... I Okay, I do have a regret. I played the Resident Evil 2 demo Ooh. that came out. Have you heard about this? I have. And actually, I quick thought. Yeah. I was thinking about Resident Evil 2 when you talked about that uh, Prey mode that yeah. they introduced where you play through the same section and if you take items, the other people can't use them. Yeah. That's totally Resident Evil 2. Oh, really? That happens in that game? Yeah, because you play, you know, you're Leon and then you're... And then you're, and uh, you're Claire. Yeah, Claire. And so if you use the item in one timeline, you don't get in the other. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. I should have made that note before. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. That actually makes me more interested because I've never played the original Resident Evil 2. It's a good video game. Um, <laughs> well, the question is, does this remake hold up? I have no idea. So is, this stars um, Leon S. Kennedy, our favorite rookie cop, who they have somehow, I don't know what kind of like computer software they use but they've de-aged him yes so that it's like sam jackson in the new captain marvel movie like he looks much younger than he really is um so he's able to play a younger version of himself yes thank god it would just be distracting otherwise yeah clearly i mean his hair is starting hairline is starting to recede and (laughs) the idea of like old leon s kennedy like not like senior cop cop, (laughs) aged cop (laughs) it's not good it's not pretty no um so the weird thing about this demo which is for the remake of resident evil 2 which is coming out uh later this month in january 2019 is interesting because they give you exactly 30 minutes to play through it Mm -hmm. and they don't make clear whether those 30 minutes include cutscenes or not (laughs) so i'm just like blasting through everything i can trying to get as much gameplay in as possible um a few quick notes the uh because i like you know i played 30 minutes of this game and my regret is that i didn't move a little bit faster in some areas uh one the inventory sucks really it's i mean no the inventory is totally serviceable and fine but it's not the inventory from resident evil 4 is it like old-timey resident evil inventory no i mean maybe you just have a certain number of slots okay and everything takes up one slot okay and you can add slots on by finding like utility yep. belts and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and this plays like Resident Evil Four. It no, it it plays like like modern Resident Evil. It's like a third person version of Resident Evil Seven. If anything, it uses the same engine, but like it's not Resident Evil Four insofar as like it it doesn't use the big A button to shoot. But you like can move it's, and shoot, so it's like a Resident Evil Five kind of thing. Yeah, it's much more like Resident Evil Five. You're you're it's a bad sign. Yeah, I know. Or Resident Evil 6 or any of those. But Resident Evil 7 was pretty good and it used Call of Duty controls. Yeah, that was a good So game. this uses Call of Duty controls. Okay. It's snappy. It's really? very snappy. It feels good. It feels pretty good. I think it could feel a little bit better, but I'm also being an asshole right now because I don't like any video games. But okay. it is it is satisfyingly snappy. Like mm-hmm. you you when you go into either you're you're holding your gun or you're holding your knife, you snap in real okay. fast. So Leon S. Kennedy is young and spry. Good. This is the benefit, clearly, of playing as a young man. Yes. Um, Does he jump out of any windows? Have they I, added window jumping? No, you don't get to go in or out of any of the windows, despite every time you walk up to an open window, you get a prompt to press X, and then it just brings you to your menu. 
And apparently you can barricade windows. Oh, okay. I don't understand why yet. I didn't yeah, I get don't that far in the demo and because I can only play it for 30 minutes and never again. I don't know if, if I'll ever find out. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, point number two, it feels pretty snappy to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, point number three, the zombie variation. Let me just say that like, <laughs> this is not a body positivity point exactly, but there is a wide variety of zombies in this. Like you have, you clearly <laughs> have overweight zombies. <laughs> they like, they actually have, in, in fact, this is probably a point against them in the culture wars. They have this one zombie who you see from a distance and he is like actively trying to like, you, it's very dark and you just see him and he's actively like trying to bang on something and get some sort of a glass th- like glass canister open or not canister uh like wall cabinet and as you get closer you realize that it's like a vending machine (laughs) (laughs) but you are so taken with the fact that this is an overweight zombie and like it looks like a natural human is carrying that weight like it doesn't want chips yeah but he just wants chips there's lady zombies who have like really impressive hair physics really uh yeah like i was just like kind of blown away at like how cool the zombies looked okay so the zombies look very cool um, I wish you could like more clearly like take off parts of their bodies when you're shooting at them. Like I wish you could like shoot off a portion of their head. And like, so I feel like there was an, I, f- I feel like in the trailer they showed you being able to do this. Like you would shoot their heads and you would just like take off a chunk. You expect that from a modern Resident Evil. Yes. Game. It seems like this is the obvious next thing that you do with a Resident Evil yep. game. So as good as it looks, it also feels regularly like you you can tell exactly where the mapping allows you to move. Uh-huh. And like you shoot things and they don't necessarily react to your shooting them. That's not good. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings on it. I'll be honest with you. I like these kinds of games so much that when it comes out, and I've never played Resident Evil 2, I will probably play it. Oh, that makes sense. Especially yeah. if you've not played Resident Evil 2. Like, I see no reason not to get it. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like you had any sort of experience with it that would lead you to believe it was a bad one. No, it's it's snappy. And that's, like, probably the most important thing is that it feels good to aim. Um, that is the most important and thing. And my final point on this is that the shotgun shells that you get in this come in a little, like, uh, you know, like, cardboard container and it says steel boys on it (laughs) (laughs) which when i saw i was immediately sold sold on yeah so so you just you put down your (laughs) pre-order so it actually when the demo ends it's like that's the end of the demo thanks for playing do you want to buy it (laughs) press x to buy it that's so silly um yeah I'm, i'm curious about it I'll report back because I think that I am going to play this game because of all my favorite genres, this is my favorite genre of video yeah. game. And this is Leon. And this is Leon. I mean, at it's the end of the day, Leon. It's, it's Leon. I can't figure out if it's a new voice actor. Does he or look not. right? He looks very like rounded. It doesn't seem good. No, he's well, I mean, maybe it's because he's younger. So he's still got some baby fat, but he seems like his face is much rounder than, than older Leon's face. I just feel that they nailed the appearance of Leon S. Kennedy in Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And he was a normal-looking, cool-looking, like, standard-issue video game dude. Yeah. And then, inexplicably, they keep tinkering with it. And it's like, I understand he would need to redo the model for the future, but, like, why can't he just look like he looked? Instead, he always kind of looks a little off, like, like they recast the part of Leon. 
and didn't tell you. Yeah, I, which is really disappointing to me because I agree that Resident Evil 4, Leon S. Kennedy is peak Leon S. Kennedy. Yeah, he's perfect. And, you know, he builds a character. Yeah. So um, I'll report back he on that game. Idiot. My real question is whether it's going to be as good as The Evil Within 2, which I thought kind of did some really interesting stuff with that genre of survival horror because it was partially open world. I think that that's a strange comparison to make given that, you know, Evil Within 2 had 15 years of games in between it and Resident Evil 2. Yeah, but is this going, how faithful will this remake be? We don't know. I mean, if it wouldn't hurt it to maybe step outside of its, you know, it can't follow the original too closely. It's being redesigned to be a third person shooter after all. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they didn't just give it the re like remake remake was that what was that called like remake remake. yeah Yeah. i'm surprised they didn't give it that treatment uh where it just controlled like old resident evil 2 and just looked really good people buy that i mean they put them back out on the machines yeah but would it be worth the the money of i have no developing probably not what would shinji have done that's a good question shinji would have done a, a, a re4 style remake i think yeah probably yeah i trust him you trust this Capcom new Capcom? No, I trust Shinji Mikami to do the right thing. And he probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. The question is whether it feels like a Shinji Mikami game. That's a good question. And it's hard to tell at this point. Um, I, but you know, I'm hooked on the idea of like, I ran out of bullets at one point and I was scared and that's all I, that's all I want from one of these games. (laughs) That sounds like you were playing Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 is a good video game. Uh, and I would like to see, all of those environments not rendered on a PlayStation one. <laughs> Maybe you will someday. Yep. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, did you like anything this week that wasn't a video game? I did. Yeah. Um, I, uh, listened to an audiobook actually Ooh. that I thought was really great. It's, uh, the audiobook of, um, Kate Atkinson's novel transcription. It's a, the sp- novel is called transcription. transcription. Yeah. It's a spy story set during world war two. Uh, and Kate Atkinson is a fantastic writer. She, her big breakout book was called life after life, but she's been writing amazing, um, crime fiction and literary fiction since before then. She's just a delight. She's very funny. Um, and, and very poignant and she loves absurd deaths. So her books are always littered with like sort of absurdist kind of like ends for people often like incredibly violent and gory, but at the part same of the time, skull comes off in the Kate yeah. Atkinson book. <laughs> yeah. Always. It uh, probably several times actually that has happened. Okay. Um, so she's, yeah, she has her books are, but her books are really lovely and very like very fun, but also, but also just incredibly well written. Um, and so I did her latest one as an audiobook, and I can't remember the name of the reader, but it was really well read. Um, and at first I was a little disappointed because it felt sort of slow and I was wondering like, is, is this maybe too slow for audio especially, but then it just like at one point just starts to crank and mm-hmm. it was just, it's good. It's like, it's like John Le Carre kind of mm-hmm. like, it is just, it is supremely spy fiction, yeah. but it has this sort of like very Kate Atkinson sort of edge. And she has a sense of humor that sometimes reminds me of Laurie Moore. So she has this sort of very not quite punny but a lot of wordplay mm-hmm. um there's a lot of there's a lot of 
a lot of character and a lot of wordplay in the book that's really satisfying. It's World War Two. Cool. Yeah. Do they use the? Do they talk about the Enigma machine? No, they don't. It's always been this such is, a cool it's about, thing. It's about a woman who writes transcriptions um, for MI5 while listening in on another agent who has infiltrated what's known as like the fifth column, which is this, these group of um, fascist sympathizers. Oh, this is awesome. In, in England. So she's listening in and it's about that, but there's all kinds of potential double dealing and stuff. And it does like some interesting things with a little bit of authorial withholding, which normally would not be a good thing, but in this case really pays off at the end mm-hmm. when you realize that even the narrator that, or the, the character that you're closest to is not exactly who they seem. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. But like all over that is just like, there's like this icing all over the cake, which is just this super satisfying, like warm and charming, but also like kind of occasionally uh, acerbically dark narration. <laughs> yeah, it's all very I highly compelling. recommend it. Highly recommend it. Awesome. Uh, How about you? What What was your favorite thing that was not a video game in these past two weeks? No spies. No spies. <laughs> uh, but I saw if Beale Street could talk. Oh yeah, it's a great movie. That's what I've heard. It's just like a good a good movie. Um, yeah, like pretty minimal complaints. It's a good movie. What, what, what were those complaints? I think that the lead. And uh, I was talking with my wife about this. We kind of agreed that the lead's a little blank mm. and it just seems like she's underwritten. And then like, she doesn't do anything to sell it harder than yeah. the underwriting. You know what I mean? But everything else comes together so well. Well, the, just some of the other sequences with other actors and yeah. other characters interacting are just really excellent. Um, yeah. And the lead dude, whose name I do not know, uh, is also in Homecoming, which we're watching. Oh, right. He is very good. He is a good actor. I wish I knew his name, but I also am avoiding Googling anything related to Homecoming because I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> I listened to the Homecoming podcast and kind of wish I hadn't so that I could fully enjoy that show is worth program. watching. It is really cool. And it does oh. some very, it is a weird show. Like it does a lot of stuff with the visuals, uh, Hmm. both like the text on the screen and stuff, but they have a shorthand because there's like a time jump involved and uh, they cut down the aspect ratio in this really weird way to indicate when you're in the future. And it's such a smart, clean thing. But then they also kind of shoot those sections like it's an early 90s TV show, like the music and like the use of zooms. Um, And the whole show actually, uh, this is another thing I liked this week, I guess. But the whole show actually, um, the focus is like crystal clear in the center of the screen and then it really like blurs out. There's been a lot of that in television recently. And I've noticed this in TV shows that I've been watching is that they the focus will always blur at the edges in the, a lot of sequences. Yeah, this is noticeable. I'm very curious whether or not it's a digital effect or if it's a type of lens. I would guess that it is a type of lens that for some reason people are really into right now because I've been watching yeah, it's to, hard to say to bring this full circle. I've been watching an espionage drama Ooh. called the little drummer girl. It's ah. an adaptation of a John le Carré novel. It all comes back to yeah. Jean le Carré. Um, le Carré. <laughs> bon French chance. for French for the car. <laughs> no, that's le voiture. Oh, I thought it was, his name was John the Car. No, I think it's John LeCart. <laughs> LeCart. Oh. All LeCart. Uh, they, but they use that same... It's an excellent show. I, this is my second endorsement for today. <laughs> We've endorsed four things. I regretted my first endorsement. <laughs> Here we go. 
um it's a it uses that same sort of weird lens where the edges blur yeah hey if listener if you have also noticed that modern tv seems to like to blur around the edges uh write us won't you please do i actually am curious to know if we're going to enter an era in video games also where like Kane and Lynch did a lot of stuff where it looked as though mm. it was being shot on a phone, right? And it had like digital distortion. Which resulted in some of the most grotesque violence oh, so I've ever up. witnessed in my life. But I am curious if we're going to reach a point in video games where people will start to simulate lenses more intensely as like what you are seeing through, which would require like a lot of real time processing, probably. Yeah, in certain cases, like to make it look right. But I think on some level in the future, that'd be pretty cool. That type of stuff is going to happen where it's just like I've chosen to make it look like you're all doing this game through a certain type of lens. All of Red Dead Redemption 2 played through a fisheye lens, <laughs> like just an really, old, like, like, like those old timey. Yeah, yeah, those old timey like photos. <laughs> yeah. that. All right. Sign me up, partner. <laughs> <laughs>